this episode of Raising Resilience. This is Pam Ressler, and today I'm thrilled to have as my guest Dr. Jody Thomas, who's the Executive Director of the Meg Foundation. And we're going to have a conversation about our anxiety, all of us, uh, kids, adults, um, going back to school. Who knew that COVID would still um, be in the picture for us now at the end of August? So I'd like to welcome. Jody, uh, who is a clinical psychologist and has a huge list of accomplishments. I've known Jody for um, a relatively short time as we served as May Day Fellows together. And Jody has a lot of wonderful things to share and innovation, um, ways to work with kids and adults, and really raising all of our resilience. So welcome, Jody. I'm thrilled that you're with us today. And um, let's have a chat. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to be here, too. Right. So let's, let's start with, um, you're really an expert in, in pediatric pain. And I know previously, you have worked with um, the Lucille Packard uh, hospital, Stanford, um, pediatric pain rehabilitation. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your work um, with the Meg Foundation. What is it? And then maybe we can talk about how kind of your work with pediatric pain has uh, moved over into what we're all noticing about anxiety and building resilience in um, this day and age of COVID. Yes, absolutely. Well, my background is a lot working with uh, chronic illness and trauma and pain, as you've noted. And um, in an odd way, unfortunately, a lot of the work that we, I've been doing for 20 plus years is incredibly relevant to the skills that all of us are having to develop right now. Um, when you have a kid who's diagnosed with a, you know, a really bad illness, cancer, diabetes, whatnot, uh, chronic pain, all of a sudden these families are having to develop these skills, really high levels for coping skills and resilience. And it's interesting for me clinically, what I see in my work is actually a lot of the families who've been doing this for a long time are having an easier time during COVID because they've had to develop these skills over time, right? And um, but for the rest of us, um, this is new, right? The level of intensity of what we're being asked to cope with, the level of uncertainty that we're being asked to cope with, and the level of massive changes in the short period of time is incredibly high. So um, the work that I've done for a long time has suddenly become even more relevant um, for a much larger portion of the population. Like yeah, all of us, apparently. That's so interesting <laughs> because often those families and, and kids who have had to learn um, coping skills because they've been dealing with significant um, medical illness through their lives yeah. often aren't thought to be the ones who are the teachers. But in a way, what I'm hearing you say is they have the skills and how can the rest of us learn from those families who have been working with um, having a medical illness uh, and the challenges of that for a long time, that now we are all needing um, to boost those skills. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think about this a teenager that I've worked with for years who's had dealt with major medical issues her entire life and 
had only really returned to a normal school setting a few years ago um, because of her medical issues. And when I talked to her shortly after kind of everything went down and everyone's going into quarantine and shelter in place, I said, how are you? And she kind of looks at me and she's like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good. Um, she's like, my friends, they're not fine. And I'm like, welcome to my world. This is it. I know how to do this. Now you've got to know how to do this. And yeah. it was oh, that's fascinating. Just very accurate to the whole scene. Because as you know, as you and I have kind of mentioned, one of the biggest challenges that we face right now is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And that we've all been robbed of the certainty of what we can do, what's going to happen next. The school situation is just unfortunately a fantastic example of that. And it's really about our resilience is about having to build up uh, that tolerance of uncertainty and building up our confidence and our ability to cope with whatever's going to come next. And that that's tough. This is not our natural inclination as humans. We like certainty. We like planning. We like knowing what's going to happen next. And that is not on the table right now for most of us. Yeah. So how do we do it? So uh, what are the, the things that, I mean, if, if you, um, yeah, this is your superpower now, right? And uh, yes, sure you, my magical sure wand could, is coming out. You could market this for a million dollars probably, but, but what are the things that you think that those folks who haven't been exposed to these coping strategies, and I love what you're saying about this mm-hmm. kind of sense of unknown and uh, what I'm hearing a yeah. lot is a feeling of lack of control or um, it kind of we're changing um, the finish line as well as our methods as we go. And so yeah. people are also feeling a lot of confusion about um, mm-hmm. what actually is in our control, what isn't, and how we um, navigate that. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that you're suggesting for folks? Well, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is our ability to let go of the normal. Um, That is one of the hardest. One of the things that I see, and I think if we pause and think about it for a moment and look around, is this desire to hold on to the normal in a situation that doesn't simply allow for it. And when we get to that point where we can let go of the idea that this is going to look like this school year is not going to look like the previous school years. Okay. It's just not going to happen. And once we can kind of let go of what quote unquote should be, I do a lot of talking about the should voice and the should voice being remarkably unhelpful (laughs) most of the time and being able to sit here and be like, okay, here's what is. And what is the situation I'm dealing with? So that whole idea of, okay, we just need to let go of this idea that we're trying to recreate a normal situation when we can't. It's just not going to happen. But we still can create a good situation. But it being the same is not the same as being good. And once we've kind of allowed us ourselves to push past that, we also then have to go past the other really uncertain point is that we can't do what, we can't look to everyone else to totally decide what we're doing or to calibrate what we're doing, right? There isn't an A answer right now. There's only what works for us. 
And so we talk, I talk up to a lot about people about kind of having to build our anchors in a world that's moving really fast and feels really stormy. Um, and to figure out first, okay, what works for me as the individual? What works for me and my partner, like for adults, if there is one? What works for my family unit in kind of this hierarchical fashion? And then what works for my small community? And then what works for my large community? But everyone along those factors, is there's going to be lots of differing opinions. And there's also going to be lots of differing circumstances, right? So the family who has someone who's high risk is going to take different, different risks with COVID than a family who doesn't feel that. Um, a family who has to go out and work, you know, as essential worker or has to interact with the world on a regular basis is going to make different decisions than a family that has the luxury to be able to work from home. All of those factors are going to be different. And so we don't get to have, this is the model of exactly what should happen. And if I follow that, I can feel safe and good about my decision. We're faced with the work of really having to anchor ourselves. But when we do that, the more confidence that we can have in the calls that we're making for ourselves as good helps us feel more resilient and steady in the face of knowing that we're going to be faced with different opinions and judgments and thoughts from others. But it's a lot easier to weather that storm when we've securely anchored ourselves and ourselves and our family units. And when we're able to do that, that gives us a little more leeway to feel more comfortable in our decisions. And it also allows us to then know that those decisions are going to change over time. It's a given. And again, accepting that as a reality, right? The decisions that all of us made two months ago are going to be different than the ones we're making at this moment. And chances are really good that the decisions we're going to make two months from now are going to be different than they are at this moment. We're going to have more data. There's going to be different situations. But when we're anchored in sort of our own values and what's important for us as a family unit and as an individual, it makes it a lot easier to approach those different decisions, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And I think, you know, coming to a couple of the points you mentioned, um, we do have a tendency to hold on to what in our mind we imagine or remember as normal. And it's really... To, to loosen our grip on that in a way, to, to yeah. let that go. And you said, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get into a place of, of a good situation and maybe even a yeah. little, you know, a neutral situation. And I think yeah. that often is such a sticking point for, for many of us because we want so yeah. clearly to return to um, what our fantasy in a way was about what this year was going to look like and and what it should look like. And um, so that's such a challenge, isn't it? To, to, to loosen our grip on that. Of course we do. Yeah. Yes. And, and just have compassion with the normalcy of that. Yes, Yes. of course. I mean, of course we do. Yeah. And so often, you know, people are trying so hard not to, even recognize that fact, but it sounds like in a way we need to start to mourn and um, deal with the grief of letting that go before we can really um, 
think of kind of the, the impermanence is what I'm also hearing you say of what those decisions will be, but basing those and first in that small, almost um, nuclear family unit, and then spreading that out with, um, uh, as we broaden those circles in, in community. But um, recognizing yeah. that even the best solution that we come up with right now for us and our family um, will change over uh, over yeah. time and over uh, a pretty short period of time, probably. And so not to be as attached to whatever those solutions are, sounds like that might be um, a positive as well. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate you using the word mourn and grief because it is. Um, I've been talking a lot about grief lately because we are experiencing loss. Sometimes we kind of get a look when we talk about grief because people associate grief with death. But grief is really about loss, and um, and we're all experiencing multiple levels and, and multiple losses in all these different ways. And when we switch that thinking to grief as opposed to thinking of it as rigidity or not being able to cope or whatever sort of negative self-talk we can, um, we can put upon ourselves, um, the thought of grief involves compassion for ourselves too and that layer of anger and denial and acceptance and all of those pieces of the grief process that we're going to move in and out of um, it is going to be a journey and it always is now again no one likes to hear that um, because we would love a neat solution but there isn't one and that would be fantastic if there were, but it simply doesn't exist. And so allowing for that and kind of to the point you were talking about, we want to kind of move past the idea of there is a solution like, you know, yes, remote learning, yes, distance learning, yes, pods, yes, no pods, whatever, because honestly, that's all going to switch and change as well. Mm -hmm. But less of a focus on a specific solution and more specific, more as, um, more a focus on our ability to problem solve and cope with whatever comes. I love you know, that. that's what, yeah. when we've been talking to, I've been talking a lot and we've been doing a lot of writing. So in the Meg foundation, one of the focus that we have is how do we create mass access to the tools and information that families need? How do we get this information and skills really that's what we're talking about is that need to build up skill set that we all wish we didn't need but we do <laughs> we have those skills um, when we need them as we've been talking a lot about navigating tough conversations with kids like how do we do that how do we answer and one of the things that causes us a lot of anxiety and why adults want to avoid tough conversations with kids is thinking that we have to know all the answers and we have to know all the answers now. And that is panic inducing, right? Cause you're like, well, what if they ask me what's going to happen? And we tell them, like, you don't actually have to know what's going to happen because we can't. And we also don't want to lie and say we do because we don't like if anything, COVID has just slammed in our faces repeatedly is a lack of control and certainty. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we can always say is, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do know we're going to figure it out together and we're going to figure out a way for it to be okay. 
Oh, that's great. And because yeah. that's the core of what we want to know, right? It's truth telling. And that's the core of what we want to know. Because behind all of the questions and all of those things is that base question of, is it going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? Right. Right. And the answer to that is yes. What that's going to look like, oh man, I wish I knew and I wish all of us knew, right? Okay can't be yes, we're going to be in schools by January or we're going to be able to complete your senior year and walk across the stage. I don't know if any of those things are going to be true. Wow. <laughs> but I do know that we're going to figure out a way to make this okay and as good as possible together. That is the one thing I can say is true. I and love I have no that. idea what it's going to look like. Yeah, because <laughs> as you say, I mean, often we think we have a sense of control as we think we can yeah. create outcomes, right? And what I yeah. often say to, to my students and my clients is, you know, let's shift the control into trying mm -hmm. to control what our experience is versus uh -huh. what the outcome we'd like to have. And somehow yeah. if we are able, as you're saying so eloquently, um, to really say we're going to be okay, but we don't quite know what that's going to look like um, right now yeah. or where we're going to be come, um, you know, December or, or January. But creating yeah. a bond and a collaboration is also what I'm hearing you say that yeah. a child isn't feeling as alone or isolated. They have a team here, and whether it's a parent or another adult in their lives, um, we're gonna work together. And so I think that that is so important in a time when we're feeling such isolation as well. Um, and, exactly. Well, and that's where that, tr yeah, that truth telling becomes important. You know, but the number one rule I talk about when parents always ask me, and this is true when kids are being diagnosed with something like cancer or something like COVID's happening or something, these big frightening things, is that kids always know more than you think they do. Always. And when parents are like, well, I don't think I want to talk to them about that because they don't know. And I was like, yeah, they do. They know, <laughs> but you not talking about it has told them that it's not okay to talk about it mm. and it's scary and I can't even talk about it as the grown up in charge. And so now you child, whether big child or little child have to carry that one on your own. Yeah. And that is 100% obviously what we don't want to do. And this is where I always kind of go back to my favorite Mr. Rogers quote. Um, wise man that he was, which is anything that is mentionable is manageable. Uh, yeah. And when we can put words to it, we have automatically created more control. Oh, yeah. And that's what we want to create. And we want to create that about the things we don't, aren't totally controllable. We get to make very few promises at this point. But the truth is, is that's okay. We're able to handle that. And that's that piece where it's really nice for like the families that have already been through so much or like myself having watched this clinically and personally for 20 plus years. It's just knowing, you know what, you're stronger than you think you are mm. and you're better at problem solving than you think you are. <laughs> yeah. You can figure this out. 
And that's also where that language, when we're saying we can figure this out, there is an automatic assumption in there that you as a partner, you as a kid, that you have those skills and we're going to use them. That's fabulous. And I think you're so right that um, we often need to be reminded of other challenges mm -hmm. that we have navigated in our lives or yeah. um, different situations. And not that these are the same, but those skills are complementary. So if somebody yeah. feels that they really need a boost to their resilience or a decrease mm -hmm. of anxiety, and it sounds like you're coming from that space of saying what we're really looking for is some sense of uh, control or um, agency, uh -huh. big, scary, unknown. Um, what do you suggest, um, maybe for younger kids and then maybe for older kids too, that we can help with? Well, I am a very large fan and proponent, and as is thankfully the research, of, <laughs> um, of self-regulation skills. Mm -hmm. When we learn that we can control our bodies, um, that means we can control a lot more than that, right? Mm -hmm. And that ability to notice that we can control our bodies, that we can control our thoughts, that we can have some influence over things that we thought just kind of happened to us, right? Like our feelings. Mm -hmm. And so learning some really great basic self-regulation skills becomes so important, um, not only to feel better in the moment, like really teaching kids or even more even more powerfully doing things like deep breathing exercises, mindfulness exercises with your child, um, with your partner. It's really quite powerfully connecting. But making that leap that we can, even in the most extreme of circumstances, we always have us, right? We always have ourselves in our brain and our body. And so as it's one of the things that when I would um, – I'm a very big proponent of this with kids with chronic illness, not only because of the symptom management that it provides, right? We can actually decrease our stress level, decrease pain levels, um, improve our sleep, all those factors. But really importantly, it increases our sense of what we call self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. And that is just fancy word for our ability to control and manage a situation. And when we can sit there and realize that we can make our body slow down, that we can make our heart and our breath slow down, and that we can notice the relaxation and comfort that brings, even in spending a minute, literally a minute, focusing on our breath, the implicit idea in there is I have control. Yes. Yeah. And in the middle of uncertainty, oh, nothing is more comforting or powerful than the thought that you can have some control. That's and that's where we can go thanks to different tools. So that's also why um, like I created a, a tech platform called Imagine Action for Stanford Children's Health, which is all um, self-hypnosis, self-regulation exercises for kids. And they're just simple recordings. Anyone can access this. Um, maybe, Pam, you can put this in the show notes of this. Absolutely. Um, some links to some of these things. We look at anxiety, sleep. Um, there are several for chronic pain and acute pain and things like that. But where we begin to have this idea that there are things I can do, even as a small child, let alone a big one, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
that when I do these, I change the way I feel and I can bring myself comfort and control. And those are just really powerful seeds to put into a child and frankly are skills that all of us should have. And this is what certainly I hope going through this, you know, I certainly wouldn't have signed any of us up for COVID <laughs> just like I went to signed any of the families I would have worked with for, um, to go through the disease experience they do. But as I tell them that since we're here and we don't have a choice, the really cool part is you're going to learn a bunch of skills that are going to serve you so well for the rest of your life. Because if you can get through this, then you can get through anything. And oh, that's, that's a really amazing thing. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, these are transferable skills too. And yeah. you've, been, you've been so much at the forefront of using technology and resources that are freely accessible to the general yeah. public that I think, you know, this is so relevant now. These are not just for kids with significant medical issues that need Ew. some tools. This is for everyone. And so definitely I will add um, links to all of your resources. So people can access Great. them who may not have been aware that these, um, these tools would be so helpful to the general population yeah. as we're all experiencing um, this, this time of COVID and uh, feeling of a lack of, a lack of control. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about the Meg Foundation and um, you know, what, what it is and how people can learn more about the wonderful uh, resources that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of talking about it. I spend a lot of my life with it. So basically, the Meg Foundation uh, came about is really dedicated to empowering kids and families in medical settings, um, particularly around pain and pain management. But really, that is about um, preventing trauma and building up our ability to cope with the things we need to cope with. And again, as we talked about, so suddenly this is expanded, right? Um, yes. So we have, um, we're about, as we say, meeting people when and where they need us by using technology. Um, and that's the great thing about our current world is that, you know, most everyone has a smartphone or an iPad or a computer. And what we can do, and we're building more and more sort of even interactive tech tools to um, be able to support people in building the skills they need to feel powerful in themselves. So uh, like throughout this COVID experience, we've been doing a lot of stuff I'm putting out there on having conversations with kids about tough topics, um, coping with things like nasal swabs, which, um, you know, if a year ago we would have said that kids don't really get nasal swabs a lot, they only get that sometimes. Clearly that is changing yes, for all yes. of us. Yep. And so we have, you know, we have this beautiful access to literally the experts of the world in these topics and then have this beautiful access to people who are also passionate about accessibility and who are experts in things like marketing and design and user experience and tech that are helping us build these interactive tools. Like right now, actually this week, we're launching this beautiful um, little interactive piece where people can access it that creates a customized plan for um, kids getting nasal swabs. And they get asked a few questions by a really cute little character named Spud that asks some questions and puts together their plan for resilience and coping for how they can deal with that experience. And then that plan is emailed to their parents. Um, 
about how they could use some really simple but very powerful skills to cope with something that could be seen as scary and hard, but now can be this opportunity for good coping and resilience and pride in doing something tough and getting through it really well. So we're building this on several levels. Um, People can easily go to our website, um, which again will be in the show notes, but it's just megfoundationforpain.org and find things that we're, we've created some resources and we've also created access to other resources that have been vetted by our experts as good and solid empirically based. Um, I mean, that's one of the things we wanted to do was kind of break through the noise. Certainly there's a lot of stuff on the internet. Um, I personally think a limited amount is actually high quality. (laughs) So we wanted to give people the confidence that anything that we're putting on our website is strictly vetted by quite literally the world experts and the topics of pain, anxiety, medical, medical trauma, and all of this who are saying, yes, these are good resources. These are brought to you by kind of the best people in the world doing this and um, creating really easy access to what you need and how it could be helpful to you. And that's really kind of been our mission and we'll be continuing to grow. We're kind of still at the relative beginning of our story. We're about to launch another product here in probably about a month that will be a fully interactive. We'll be introducing the world to Super Meg. Um, It is her uh, mission to empower uh, parents and kids. And we'll be, it's an interactive tech platform uh, teaching kids to deal with um, procedural pain is what we call in the clinical world, but basically needle pokes. How do we deal with pokes and prods at the doctor and have it be a comfortable, empowering experience? And um, instead of scary and bad, basically our kind of big fat goal is that um, by the time our next generation rolls around, kids do not need to go into a doctor scared of pain, that they will have the tools and that physicians will have the tools um, of what we know, we already know works and that we need to be actually happening um, in medical practices around the world. I love that goal and vision. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm also really impressed with when um, I've gone to your website and that you've really, you've really expanded to include um, the COVID-19, what people are really yeah. scared about right now, along with yeah. the excellent work that began out of um, kids' chronic pain and kids' um, significant procedural yeah. pain, which has gone very um, undertreated, as, as you know, from, for a long time. Yeah. And I love that you're embracing um, tech and easy access without letting mm-hmm. go of um, the responsible um, actions of evidence-based um, and um, not, not the noise, as you say, that's happening around yeah. the internet, because I think people also are, are overwhelmed with where to go for this yeah. information. And so what you're providing with your nonprofit is an expanded model that I'm, I'm sure is, is going to be giving so many people a sense of, um, of 
control as we go back to of, <laughs> of managing some of that information differently. So I think that is absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And you're right. I'll put Thank all you. of these links in, um, in the podcast, um, in the show notes when uh, people are, uh, can access um, them either on Great. my website, which is stressresources.com or going to mm -hmm. um, also the Meg Foundation, as you said, um, that website has them, but I will make sure the links are included to make it really easy for people not to have to poke around too much um, and find great. these these great, um, great resources. So um, as we're coming to the end here, is there something I didn't ask yeah. that you want to add or any, any thoughts as uh, I know people are getting ready for um, thinking about what school is going to look like. I know some people have already returned in whether yes. it's remote or in person or hybrid model. Um, so, you know, as we end, um, giving you the last word here, Jody. Um, I think the most important thing that all of us can remember, and I think I, I have a seven and eight year old myself, so uh, first and second grade will be starting remotely. So I you know, think about this professionally, personally, as well as professionally, is just that need for some serious compassion for ourselves at this point. And that need to be like, you know what, we're all going to do the best we can with what we have. And in the big picture, it is really going to be okay. And I always ask, particularly the moms I work with, who can remember those first few weeks with a newborn that feels so terrifying and so scary because it's so unknown. And it feels like every decision you make is going to determine, you know, if they're going to be homeless at 40, you know, whether or not you have figured out breastfeeding or decide to give them the bottle or can get them to sleep or whatever all of those things are. And that when we think back to those first weeks, and then you think to six months later when you realize just how much that stuff didn't actually turn out to be incredibly important. It just felt so important then <laughs> that we're kind of right here right now that it's going to be okay. And that a year from now, we're likely to look back on this and be like, wow, that was so hard <laughs> and yeah. so tough. And it turns out a lot of the things we're worried are going to be so important aren't going to be nearly as important yeah. and it's going to turn out to be okay. And it's a long, we have a long life and a long situation. And this is a very rough year. It's going to be filled with some really good stories and a lot of relief that it's behind us when it will. <laughs> right now, the name of the game is compassion. I love that. So ending on that note of compassion, um, mm -hmm. I think that's a fabulous, um, fabulous frame of how do we find that place of compassion. And I think that all of us have that. And to just be a little less judgmental, a little less um, yes. concerned about the small things um, and to know that we are going to be okay. Um, as humans, we yeah. have survived things like this before, maybe not us individually, but certainly as communities and, and as groups. And I think that's really important yeah. to, to try to remember as um, it, the, the Yeah, I said a lot of, yeah, that stepping away from the judgment is stepping towards connection and we yeah. need as much as we can of that right now. 
Absolutely. Jody, yeah. you are fabulous. I am so appreciative and grateful <laughs> for you joining us today and, and really um, helping us understand why we're feeling so anxious about that lack of control, what we can do to increase our resilience as we are um, navigating these crazy times, huh? Um, so thank well, you. Yes. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. And thank you so much, Melania. I think certainly anything we can do that's helpful and useful, that, that feels good to all of us right now. That so thank you for great. the opportunity to be here. Thanks, Jody.